Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you. Use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page, or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, or on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. Find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. That's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. So, you know, after you get the flu shot, it takes about two weeks for it to be fully effective. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like you're immediately immune to the flu immediately after your flu shot. Yeah, your body needs to kind of get used to the the flu. It, it takes time to build antigens. up antibodies, yeah. is what you're saying. Um, and unfortunately for our eldest child, uh, the flu came to him before that flu shot came to full efficacy. Yes. And uh, yeah, he's been pretty sick the last couple days. Yeah, it's it's not been great. He's insistent that he does not have the flu, but he's also been bedridden with a high fever for four days. Yeah, it's the flu. <laughs> yeah. Now, the he's good news six, is... He's in denial. It's the flu. Yeah, the good news is he is... Uh, Seems to be bouncing back this morning. Yeah, uh, he's he's better. I wouldn't call him well yet, but he's he's getting better. Yeah, I think we're we're through the worst of it. So uh, oh, hopefully, God, so. in a couple of days, he'll be right as rain. But uh, yeah, it's been a little touch and go here at Shea Read Along for a few days. <laughs> yeah, and we're on the tail end of our colds yep. too. I'm still all <laughs> sometimes. So yes. apologies if I still sound stuffy. I'm trying. The good news is uh, no one else in the house. Knock on wood yes. appears to have caught the flu. So. That is good news. We'll keep him isolated on the couch away from everybody else so he can get better. And then we'll Lysol spray everything. <laughs> just Everything. Just sanitize the whole house. That's where we've been for the last week. But uh, of course, we still had time to read the book. Well, it's only a chapter. Doesn't Indeed. take all that long. Exactly. And so we now have a little bit of time to discuss that chapter. Indeed. But first, a brief recap of our previous chapter. Chapter 9, in which our team manages to fend off some spiders, escape from a maze, and then offend an entire <laughs> village of anthropomorphic creatures, uh, resulting in a uh, an escape from an angry but adorable mop. <laughs> And that leads us into chapter 10 of Questland by Carrie Vaughn. So the team does indeed find a spot to make camp. Yes. And a rotation is set. Originally, Torres is not going to set Wendell on uh, any sort of watch because he needs to recover. And he's well, only... He was slashed by a spider. And... He's only finally been stitched up by Almonte. But Wendell kind of puts his foot down, and so he agrees to let Wendell take the first watch. Yes. Of course, Addie is uh, amused that a watch is being set. It's a very 
as mentioned last chapter, a very D&D trope. Yes. Because, of course, if you don't have someone watching, then you're inevitably going to be ambushed in the middle of the night. Of course. And she does manage to finally kind of get herself settled down and fall asleep because she's exhausted. It's been a very busy and stressful day. Oh, yes. And this isn't exactly the best sleeping conditions, right? It's not like there's a soft bed waiting for her at the end of the day, right? She's pulling up a nice semi-flat hunk of ground. <laughs> yeah. Now, she wakes up the next morning to the sound of a gunshot, and that immediately sets her on alert. And well, yeah. She assumes that maybe there's some danger, but then she hears the group kind of shouting nearby, and uh, she wanders on over and discovers that they've shot down a flying monkey. Yeah. Rucker's all proud of himself. He's like, I got it. Yeah. He finally got to shoot something. But more importantly, this flying monkey appears to actually be a drone of some kind that has been spying. Yes. So further proof that someone is keeping an eye on them on this island. Oh, yeah. We speculated much earlier that their presence has to be known. Yeah. Right? Someone has to know they're there. They've left some evidence. Yeah. Right? They've interacted with stuff. This basically confirms that. They are definitely known to be on the island at this yeah. point. The, someone has been alerted and is now keeping watch on them. They uh, take a moment to pack up their camp, and Wendell takes apart the important parts of the flying monkey. <laughs> Poor monkey. I mean, it turns out that it was just basically like a puppet on top of a drone. So yeah. it's not like this one was biomechanical. It was just a dressed up robot. Yeah. So up until we got to the flying monkey part, it really still held with the like unwilling game testers theory. Mm -hmm. uh, this next part kind of threw that into question. Yeah. For me. Because then they get attacked, and I do say attacked, by a drone. Yeah. A non-disguised, legit little robot drone which hits rucker with a taser yeah he gets tased what well this actually seems to me to be a logical escalation because you first send a surveillance drone to see what's going on and then that team shoots down the surveillance drone that indicates they might be hostile so now you send a drone over to go and zap them right <laughs> so that you can knock them all out and ask them questions so, so they have breakfast with this flying monkey Right? They trudge through the forest all all morning. Like, this is a huge forest because they trudge through it all morning. Yeah. And then, I assume lunchtime-ish, right? This actual non-disguised, non-immersion drone comes at them. The drone, as you say, does tase Rucker, and then they manage to kind of get it down. But they don't really have a chance to fully appreciate that because then actual people attack them. Real honest-to-goodness people! Yeah, Addy gets basically taken hostage yeah. almost immediately by a man dressed like out of a Robin Hood movie. Yeah. There's a brief standoff here because, obviously, Addy's in danger. And then Wendell, who had vanished for a minute, comes back with an, with his own hostage. And this causes things to kind of pop off briefly, and Addy oh, yeah. ends up getting stabbed in the hand by accident. Okay. And I say by accident because <clears throat> Craig the Hapless, <laughs> who we will come to know this character as momentarily, oh, yes. very clearly panicked and did not intend to stab Addy in the hand. Oh, yeah. The whole time during this little mini standoff that we have, right, because it's all from Addy's point of view, mm -hmm. she's constantly talking about how he's shaking mm -hmm. and tense and he's scared she can tell he's scared yeah she's scared he's scared everybody's scared and then when you're dealing with someone who is genuinely that scared who actually has the position of power who has the status if you will things tend to go wrong yeah and Addie even thinks about this internally like when it comes to dealing with like the sphinx or even the mechanical spiders there's a feeling of 
underlying safety because this is supposed to be a game and this is supposed to be a theme park. But in this moment, it's not a game. There's a real person with a real knife who's panicked and holding the knife to her throat in that moment. Yes. And for the first time all book, the real level of danger that they're in finally, like the penny drops. Finally. Getting a little ahead of ourselves into the chapter here, toward the end of the chapter, she'll actually like miserably ruminate on the fact that Torres has been telling her since they landed on the island, this isn't a game. We need to be careful. She wanted to be a game so badly. She wanted it to be an escape so badly that she wasn't willing to accept that. Yeah. And now she's been kind of badly injured yeah. as a result of not taking it seriously enough. And it's it's a real moment of, I should have been listening to Torres. She should have been. Yeah. Right? She should have been. Like yes, again, it's cool that she was playing the game and I was into it, right? Reading about what they were doing. I was like, yeah. yes, play the game. It sounds cool. But- yeah, realistically. They're in a dangerous situation. Yes. A dangerous, unknown situation. Here's the thing. This means that the employees of the island, the players, the quote-unquote NPCs, as portrayed by real people, mm -hmm. have been given real arms. Or have made real arms. Let's be fair. Right? The, He's we, got you, a real knife. But this, these aren't actors. Remember, there were no actors on the island. The people who are on the island are the production team. They're the builders and the designers and the architects. Why are they dressed as Robin Hood and his merry men? That would be the next question. And of course, Robin Hood does show up with his merry men shortly thereafter. Yes, indeed. Armed with bows and like there's a quick standoff again between Torres's team who are armed with, you know, automatic guns. Yep. And Robin Hood's team who are armed with bows and arrows. And Addie's like, people could get killed. And also recognizes Torres's team would probably win. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that our uh, production staff, for lack of a better term, is also aware that they would lose if they were actually to engage these people in a fight. Yeah, which is why the standoff kind of fairly quickly gets de-escalated. No, neither side wants to kill the no, other. No, nobody wants to shoot. Yeah, but everybody wants answers to what's going on. And yes. both sides are being real cagey. Torres doesn't fully answer any questions of Robin Hood's, and Robin Hood doesn't really answer any questions of Torres's. Really? Except to get across that A, they are some of the production team who are on the island, and B, they're working for Arthur Beckett. Yes. They, they bring are, up his name. They are and and Beckett appears to be the leader, would be the implication. Because yes. it's made very clear Art would probably want to talk to these guys and Robin Hood's like, Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So, and then Torres is like, Yes, we do. Please take us please, to your leader. Yes, please take us to him. We're tired of trudging through this forest. Also, we have guns. Please take us yeah. to Arthur Beckett. In the meantime, Addie is going into shock because she has been stabbed in the hand and is losing blood. Poor Craig kind of freaked out, lost it, and stabbed her through the hand. Yeah, so... Like, uh, pinned, it, like pinned her to the ground with it. Yeah. Ah! Uh, and Addie, not thinking straight and probably not being very good at first aid, pulled it out. Which you should not do. No, you should not do. Almonte finally manages to get her calmed down enough to take a look at it and start bandaging it and gives her some painkillers. Yeah, well, because now she's covered in blood. Yeah. Because she's bleeding profusely. And then Rucker goes over and wallops Craig the hapless right in the face. To be fair, Craig had it coming. Yeah, but like, kudos to Rucker. Who was very apologetic earlier on in the chapter as well to Addie and was oh, yes. trying to talk about that. trying to make it clear, like you you know I. I'm here to protect you. I, I wouldn't hurt you. Yeah, like, he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to hurt you. And she's like, not now, dude. <laughs> yeah. Read the room. 
Now is not the appropriate time. But like, to you be were fair, about to you were about to like mow down a whole bunch of not real animals just living their innocent little animal lives. Yeah, okay, you're not gonna hurt me. Yeah. Who are you gonna hurt? Well, Craig Rucker? the hapless. Yeah. In this chapter. To be fair, I think, based on absolutely nothing, that Rucker's kind of taken a shine to Addie. Not like he's crushing on her or anything, but I no. think he likes her. I think I honestly I think the whole team likes her. I I think Addie legitimately is being very hard on herself because she feels very useless. Yeah. And she recognizes that she's been slowing the team down. But nobody in the team has really given any indication that they hate her. No, goodness no. No they, one's been mean to her or anything. No, Wendell's been nerding out with her. Rucker stands up for her in this moment. Almonte's been nothing but nice. And Torres has even gone so far as to engage with the game a little bit at her indication that that might be useful. So, like, they clearly see her as part of the team, maybe the weakest part of the team, but they're in it together, yeah. right? Well, and these are all trained Soldiers. They're professionals. Yeah, yeah, they're professionals. They recognize that she is a civilian without yeah. training, and they, it's their job to keep her alive. Their, their expectations are adequately tempered. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly think that Addie is being particularly hard on herself, and it because we're in her head, and because she's, she's feeling like she's a load to them. But, she's feeling very inadequate because she is not evenly matched with her party. Yeah, but the right? rest of the party seems to be, at the very least, like, cool with her like we know what's up yeah we recognize that we are not dealing with like not even a newbie soldier we're dealing with a university professor yeah this is this, this is, is a not her element yeah <laughs> so yeah for the first time all book i was actually rooting for rucker i was like good job man that dude deserved it now you had asked why are these technicians dressed up as robin hood and i actually i have a possible answer to that oh okay it's possible that the island is designed in such a way that it responds better to people who are in character. Oh, okay. So it's possible that they're they're dressed as Robin Hood, whatever costumes they may have had around or been able to easily put together, because it allows them to more seamlessly move through the island and interact with it without attracting too much notice. And that might be why the mercenaries you... have stood out. <clears throat> okay, but are you operating then on the theory that a lot of the island's uh, features, for lack of a better word, are autonomous? I mean, we can pretty much assume that some of them are, the way that the town full of little anthropomorphic creatures responded to them. Yeah. They all seem to have their own lives going on, number one. Number two, they reacted very poorly to seeing people dressed in modern military guards showing no, up. No, they, they reacted might... very poorly to people showing up with weapons. Not just that, though. They they looked legitimately scared by people showing up, period. No, that one rabbit was fine talking to Addie. But Addie doesn't look as threatening as the rest of the military team does. Okay, fair enough. So my my... Thought was, maybe if they had shown up dressed as Robin Hood and his Merry Men, the animals would have been even more positively inclined to dealing with them. Okay. Even if they had been armed with bows and arrows, it's not as like weird in sci-fi as showing up with AK-47s. Okay, fair enough. And so, not I don't actually know what guns they're armed with. Don't quote me on that. But like that, that could be a thing. It could be that they're essentially camouflaged. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. By dressing <laughs> appropriately. appropriate to the environment. Exactly. And so that that might be the reason why they're doing that. Maybe. Also. I don't 100% buy it, but I plausible. Also, when Craig first uh, grabs Addie, she like legitimately exclaims like, you're real. You're not a robot. And he's like, no, we don't make robot people. Do you want Westworld? That's how <laughs> you, you get, get a Westworld. <laughs> Which I thought was, uh, was a fun little nod. That's true. We liked it. Because that is how you get Westworld. It is how you get Westworld. You make robot people. I really hope 
that our next chapter is full of exposition. Yeah, I think we're due finally to get a little bit of the story of what is actually going on. Yes. And it seems to me like uh, Art Beckett, the lead project manager, is in a position to be able to provide some of that. I hope so. We were sort of falling into a pattern, I noticed, of... Find island feature, deal with island feature, move on, find next island feature, deal with island feature. A break to that pattern, I think, is good for the story. Well, that... If you take a step back and look at it all. Yeah, and also, I mean, they've even pointed out at this juncture in the text how it's weird they hadn't encountered any actual people yet. It's true. So, I mean, it was bound to happen eventually. And it happened at a good time because they were starting to run out of, like, water and stuff. That's true. They finished their water. So they, having encountered some people who might be able to help them once everybody's on the same page, it's probably a good thing. Yeah. So, yes, it is my hope that this next chapter uh, reveals a little bit more about what's actually going on. Yeah. I look forward to that. Indeed. I think it'll be good. We're not quite halfway through the book. I'm saying that because it is looking at the book. Not even. I'm physically looking at the bookmark in the book, and I would say we are maybe, maybe, like, between a, a quarter and a third of the way through. Right, we're only on chapter 10. Say about a third. We'd say about, that's about a third? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, give or take. I'd say a little less than a third. But still, there's so much book left. So there's so much nerd to still happen, and I am excited for it. Okay, before we end, I do have a nerd question for you. Sure. This chapter is called, I Attack the Darkness. Yes. Is that one of those D&D legends, like Eric and the Gazebo? There's There's a very old... Yes. First, <laughs> first of all. Okay. Number two, there's there's an old animation you can still find it floating around on the internet that somebody had put together. I want to say using Machinima from a video game about this whole event where the the darkness gets attacked. <laughs> I attack the darkness. I use my magic missile and I attack <laughs> the darkness. Uh, it's it's funny, but okay. that that's what it's a reference. Okay. To. I thought so. I, I have a bunch of those references in my, in my head, but not all of them. And yeah. they're not all straight. Well, and so. that's, that's very much a, a D&D meme. So. Yeah, I, that's what I thought. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, a bit of a shorter discussion this week because we've been dealing with a sick kid. So uh, we'll keep it brief uh, for this one. But hopefully next week we'll be able to get a bit of a more robust conversation in because ideally we'll finally learn a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes. Oh, yes. I, I anticipate having lots to talk about. It'll be great. Yeah. So you'll want to read up on Chapter 11 in time for next week. Uh, in the meantime, I mean, a lot of worksite accidents going on right now. Uh, someone, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Someone got uh, injured by malfunctioning equipment. A chapter ago, this chapter, someone accidentally got stabbed by a panicked worker. Someone purposely got tased. <laughs> yeah, like there's, uh, this is an unsafe work environment. And this is just an ocean nightmare. <laughs> it, absolutely. But the good news is if you have benefits and coverage for your workers, it can help mitigate some of the medical costs that go along with recovering from such injuries. And uh, if you are a smaller business like Torres running his own little mercenary group, you might want to reach out to a company like Alberta Blue Cross to help you set up that uh, benefits package for you. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business. And Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. 
You can find out more about them and other sponsors of the network right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. While you're there, check out all the other member podcasts. There's definitely going to be something there worth your time. Oh, absolutely. There's so much to choose from. Yeah, you can uh, download those podcasts on your podcatcher of choice. While you're there, that's probably where you're catching this pod. That makes sense. Give us a little rating and review. We'd appreciate it. We like feedback. Yeah, we also like to uh, interact with you online. Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. Uh, we are at the read along for most of those, so we're pretty easy to find. Exactly. You can also send us an email. Yes. We are the read along at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much. Stay healthy. Yes. We'll see you next time. Stay away from gazebos. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. 